Hello and welcome back to the Big C Church Podcast. We are in the middle of a series about evangelicalism. Uh, and I um, want to tell you that uh, over the summer, uh, I and some colleagues of mine at Denver Seminary um, read a book called The Other Evangelicals. I've mentioned it, I think, in uh, my episode with Dr. Mark Young of Denver Seminary, but it's called The Other Evangelicals, A Story of Liberal, Black, Progressive, Feminist, and Gay Christians and the Movement That Pushed Them Out by Isaac Sharp. Uh, there's some great reviews online. Uh, I know Scott McKnight blogged through it as well, I think, on his Substack. And uh, so as we're doing this series on evangelicalism, I'm bringing in other voices here to the podcast um, who represent some of these, uh, uh, have experience in some of these groups, different experiences with evangelicalism. And so I am honored today that my guest is Gabriel Pfeiffer. Um, Gabriel or Gabe, he and I first got to know each other when we were working together at Denver Seminary as he was finishing up his studies during the pandemic, as I recall, Gabriel. Yeah, okay. Um, and uh, now he is a therapist with Grace uh, Counseling Associates in Denver. He is also an adjunct uh, professor at Denver Seminary, so our paths cross a, a little bit more as well. But um, Gabriel, thank you so much for being a guest on the Big C Church podcast. Well, thanks, Andy, for making room for uh, these different voices in practice. Yeah, absolutely. I'm so glad you're here and I'm looking forward to our conversation. Before we hit record or, uh, a few minutes ago, uh, we were talking about uh, this episode is going to have a lot of loaded terms and um, uh, how the first, I think, first episode ever of my podcast is about all that. So we'll, we have a lot of things we want to unpack uh, with, with listeners today. So, um, so Gabriel, let's start by just kind of putting cards on the table um, about some of these loaded terms. So, um, and one of those is your sexuality. And um, and I appreciate you being uh, so open with your story. How do you identify? What words do you use? So uh, for me, it, it depends on context. Yeah. So often with like close friends and, you know, in just how I talk to myself, I use the term gay. And gay to me just means attracted to people of the same sex. Uh, but I also know that gay can be a, a very loaded term, um, talking about identity, talking about lifestyle, talking about all these other things that like what that would look like to live that out. Um, and so there are some spaces that I want to be considerate of other people or um, how to say like uh, um, not get caught up in the complexities and over explaining that uh, in evangelical spaces and, you know, maybe on Denver Seminary campus or, um, or, you know, in some Christian spaces, I'll use the term same-sex attracted. Um, and I think that comes from the, the tension, the, the um, I guess tension is the right word, uh, in like identity politics mm -hmm. of how are you identifying? Where is your identity? In identity. If it's in Christ, then you're not going to call yourself gay because gay is an identity. Um, and so that's your experience. Yeah. You're saying attracted, not who you are. Yeah. Um, and, and I've been in different spaces where there's just, there's this reflexive look like ick when I use the term gay. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, so to avoid some of that conflict, I'll use the term say such attractive. Yeah. So you're, you're, Gay, which by that you mean attracted to men or same-sex attracted, and you're a Christian. Yes, yes, I do identify as a Christian. Yeah. Uh, so if you wouldn't 
would just um, let's kind of tease both of those together, uh, you know, yeah. sharing kind of those two pieces of your story. You became Christian, you recognized and came out as gay. Like, how did those tell me about those two different streams and how and where they've met? Yeah, yeah, I came. So, of course, they're both happening at the same time, but they felt so divisive. They mm. felt like two different journeys happening at the same time in my life. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't until I came out when I was 20 years old that they actually started to integrate. And that was um, over 10 years ago now, wow. um, which is crazy to think about. Um, so I, my family got involved in church when I was uh, in elementary school, middle school, uh, just because my parents wanted my sister and I to have like good Christian friends. And it just, it, it stuck with me. It, it really, um, I found a lot of, closeness a lot of my closest friends were at church and youth group um and uh it from an early age i felt the need for a savior and jesus you know that love that kindness that goodness um really became attractive to me um and at the same time as that experience growing up in the south i didn't even have to be involved in church from an early age to know that it was not okay to be gay um so it what so through high school and into college there was such a divided uh, experience that I had. Uh, it was I could not imagine saying both of those things at the same time, and I had to choose between one or the other. Um, so in college, I uh, was part of a ministry that uh, in Memphis uh, called Service Over Self. Shout out to them, SOS. Uh, they are. They do such good work, um, but the culture that they provided on the summer staff um, uh, like team was just like broke through a lot of those barriers for me to help integrate me mm. and to reckon with all parts. So I think, so I, I, I got to know who Jesus was uh, in like middle school, but I really believe that I became Christian in college and coming out was actually part of that because mm. that was me truly reckoning with who I am, what my experience is. It wasn't going away. You know, I would pray in tears for me to be straight or pray in tears to have a different sin other than same sex attraction or being gay. Um, uh, that God would just take it away. Or I would pray like, like Jesus again, save me. Like mm. I prayed this in his prayer, like, I can I don't even know how many times just because I I still felt like these things could not exist at the same time. Coming out was actually such a powerful experience, not in just saying that I'm gay, but like uh, in reckoning with reality and in reckoning with Jesus's love for me. Um, mm. And uh, a, a, a person that like was really formative in that was the first person I came out to who's mentoring me and disciple me through my freshman year. Um, he, we sat down and I said the words out loud for the first time to somebody that wow. I'm gay. and he looked at me and I genuinely expected him to like get up and walk away or condemn me to hell. But he looked at me and said, I love you. And he gave me a big hug and, you know, I was crying before, but then I was really crying. Um, and that's 
what I felt like Jesus's love was, was when I felt the most unworthy um, was when I was the most cared for, the most loved and, mm. and truly met, like deeply capital M met. Um, and that was um, a powerful experience. So the 10 years since, it has been a, an integrative process where um, it has been like swinging back and forth. Like what does the Bible say about same-sex relationships? And um, what does God say about marriage? And then who, what does God say about who he is? You know? Yeah. Um, so it just kept expanding. And um, so, yeah, now it's, now it's hard to know what my faith would be without this experience um, because it has been such a formative part of my life. Wow. So you um, mentioned this mentor that you first came out to, but you were also like maybe part of a church group. Like were you, I'm sure you were getting all sorts of messages from all sorts of people. Yeah. Like what were some of the other responses? I mean, thankfully you felt embraced by love by Jesus and by this person and some others. What were some of the other voices saying? Some of the same old type or. Yeah. So, um, you know, 10 years ago, I feel like it's so different now. Uh, when I see, I see, uh, in, in therapy, teenagers and young adults who are navigating this and, they're having such a different conversation now than hmm. when I did, because when I came out over 10 years ago now, um, it was, um, how to say, like, uh, there was a bit more novelty to it. Like people didn't know as many gay people. Hmm. Um, uh, it wasn't as, as common. So, um, most of the time it was actually really sweet. Like I experienced a lot of, um, uh, really good I, I really think I put this in my life on purpose but some really good people in my life you know I remember one person said okay but I struggle with heterosexuality the way you struggle with homosexuality like less is less than sentence and then all is falling short and I was like really you know I thought so I know but that, like then that like created a lot of relief that I felt so alone in it um so I mostly experienced good which I'm really thankful for wow. there were times where I experienced um bad which felt it came in the forms of like oh wow thanks and then like silence yeah the silence felt like just really people just didn't quite know what to do with that um i think purity culture got a, had a big part of that uh i remember sharing my story and like to a, a group of people and um the youth group leaders it was like a a, a group of people from different churches youth group leaders were just not okay with that story being shared on a stage. Mm -hmm. And so, um, uh, I was fortunate to have uh, a person above me who organized it to say, um, this is what happened. I'm on your side. Mm -hmm. So I was really fortunate to have like some pretty amazing people in my life. Um, and I think the hardest one was coming out to my family. Mm -hmm. Um, so they started becoming, started like, uh, becoming more exhibiting like, you know, Christian spiritual practices as I was at the same time, cause they saw what it was like for me and were really attracted by that and were excited to see the hope uh, that I had because I struggled with depression as well. Mm. Um, and, um, for them, there, there was just a lot of confusion um, and uh, how to say, like uh, 
wanting to do what was best for me. Um, and it was all filled with love, but a lot of the time it was um, them working out their uh, realization or like in a way, like just not knowing something. Yeah. Um, um, so that's kind of my experience of people's response. Um, I'm, I'm just, like I said, so grateful that it was mostly good. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Uh, so the church that you, uh, kind of became a Christian in, or that, I mean, I guess that experience your first, your early church experience. Um, here we get to another big loaded term. Were those, was that an evangelical church or were those early ones considered evangelical? So I came out, uh, at a church, uh, that I found myself. So I moved out when I was 18. Okay. Um, and the church that I grew up in was a, uh, Southern Baptist church. Okay. And the pastor came from a Roman Catholic background. And so he brought in some of those traditions that he liked. So it was an interesting experience. Wow. The one that I came out in was a non-denominational church and would describe itself as evangelical. Um, so, yeah. So you said you had a, um, uh, thankfully a positive experience in, in a lot of ways with different individuals, uh, you know, in, uh, that church and, and who, um, you just said, we love you, period, through, you know. Um, um, so today, I mean, you you have, in, in some ways, evangelical background. You came to an evangelical seminary, you know. Um, would you consider yourself evangelical? I hold that term with conflict. Yeah. I, um, when I see, like, the definition of evangelical, yeah. I'm like, yes. Um. Yeah. I, what, and what definition I, you know, I just use that word and you can ascribe right. like all sorts of meanings to it. Right. Well, sure. I mean, cause it's become a cultural thing. It's come of, you know, talk about like using gay as an identity, yeah. evangelical as an identity yeah, um, and talking about like, what is the evangelical lifestyle? Um, <laughs> right. I think that could look a lot different for a lot of different people. Uh, and so uh, so maybe like I'm evangelical attracted, but I don't have the lifestyle. I mean, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, evangelical attracted, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, so what is that? Yeah, what what are all the meanings that word has for you? What are all the yeah, loaded so, things? Yeah, I. So when it comes to like spirituality, like uh, when it comes to faith, like evangelical is, I I think a really can be like a really beautiful thing where it's like gospel centered, you know, where it's like centered on Jesus and centered on what he, what Jesus did on the cross. And that is something that I think is, um, really grounding, um, and can like look like a lot of different ways, uh, when it becomes, um, political, when it becomes purposeful, agenda driven identity, that's when it becomes more complicated when it's used for something else. Um, I do think words are important and um, mm, to know what like things mean because it's in those places of assumption that like so much meaning can be lost um, for, you know, you, even to like, for us to have this conversation and explore what is evangelical uh, just shows how complicated it can become yeah. uh, when things are assumed. So um, when it comes to, it's heart and mission. I think it is something refreshing when it comes to more of this cultural, I mean, even like, I think Western 
um, United States-specific uh, expression and identity of evangelical, it becomes more um, um, complicated. And I have a lot more resistance to um, being either grouped in that or like jumping on board with that because uh, there's been ways that I've seen and and experienced ways that um, that's just been really hurtful for people. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel welcomed in evangelical spaces? And I know that's a broad term because there's a lot of those spaces, yeah. right? So. Yeah. yeah. Um, right now, I think the most salient part of my identity that I feel when I walk into evangelical spaces is my singleness, not so mm. much my intense extraction. Interesting. Um, and I, um, how to say, so I think like, you know, when I go to like church, it's like, more of my singleness that I um, that I feel confronted by, um, and I, even in my process coming out, people would identify as evangelical and, and not. They also landed on different things, um, but it was very relationship focused. Like um, I would have, I would come out, and people say, like, "Oh, okay, so that's got how God made you." So. Uh, you need to like live into that and, and get you a man to really show like God's great love. And then others would say, okay, this is an opportunity for like God's uh, power of healing and redemption in your life. And so getting married to a woman is going to really show that. And in that whole process, it feels like, well, I feel like you're missing me. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. Uh, and it's more about relationships. So I think the big thing is how a lot of people to evangelical spaces it's not just like uh being straight being enough but like or like being the part of the identity but uh being married and having kids as well yeah um, in a relationship so to speak of some time yeah Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so um you know on campus at Denver seminary um that isn't you know it's not as personal it's more academic and so that's not as part as much of a part of myself that I feel confronted by, but um, I will be, I'm pretty strategic in, in being open with students. Like at some point in the semester when we're talking about something to challenge them, how do you, uh, how would you work with the person who's same sex who's, who's gay, LGBTQ, because you got one right here, right in front of you. You know, uh, how do you talk about self-disclosure mm. uh, and be vulnerable? appropriately and um um without inviting like something from a client to take care of you or you're working out some of your own stuff um and so it becomes more of an academic exercise um there or an intellectual exercise um so yeah those are the spaces right now that i feel like i'm i'm navigating that yeah um, the most yeah wow you mentioned a little earlier, you talked about, you said purity culture had a little something to do with that. And and I'm, I want to pull on that thread a little bit. Um, uh, first of all, what, what do you mean by purity culture? Another loaded term, yeah. right? And also, yeah. like, how was, how are you shaped or impacted by that? So let's go there. And then after that, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in talking about evangelicalism has all these little cultural baggage things or subculture kind of thing. So purity culture being one of them. So we can yeah. maybe go to some of the other, but let's talk about purity culture and 
what your experience was of that and and how you understand that. Yeah, I didn't hear or understand the term purity culture until I got into college and um, and that was when it was first introduced and then didn't really see and that was in um, 2020 to 2014 and then didn't really see because uh, after college I uh, I went and lived in China um, mm, wow. helped a church plant there and uh, teaching English um, and then came back in 2017 to um, start grad school. So it wasn't, so it feels like there's this gap where I was just having a completely different conversation. And it wasn't these cultural things that I was working through because when I came back to the United States, uh, I stepped back into a conversation that felt like had jumped leaps and bounds and I had to catch up to. Mm. And part of that was purity culture and confronting it and, um, um, you know, uh, how to say, um, reckoning with its impact. So, uh, I think at its heart, purity culture meant well of, of wanting to protect kids from, um, uh, you know, uh, I guess I'm trying to think of different words, but it was like sin and, uh, debauchery, but I think it was more than that, but like, you know, it wasn't just about teen pregnancy and, and stuff like that, but I think initially started with like a call for a greater understanding of sexuality and sex, but it came from a place of fear and um, I guess control that it uh, was more focused on what, like what not to do instead of creating this inspiration of like, what is, sex for what is desire for what does that actually draw us into um and i find that now more in my counseling work because i'm pursuing uh, a sex therapy certification through the institute of sexual wholeness and um and it's there that there's this greater unpacking of sex and sexuality um calling for something deeper so um Again, I think with purity culture, it came from a place of wanting to protect and do the right thing, but in a way, just missed the human relationship. And it became more about like what to do instead of the deeper work of what do I want? Who do I want to be? Yeah. So um, those are some of uh, thoughts around purity culture that I have right now. Yeah. And it's, um, you're raising a new perspective for me, which I appreciate because the, um, the evangelical subculture I grew up in, I mean, f first of all, I, I'm not saying there weren't any, um, LGBTQ kids in my youth group. I'm sure there were, but nobody yeah. talked about it, Right. You know, but, yeah, but purity culture was all about heterosexual, you know, boy and girl don't have sex before you're married kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But but what I hear you saying, it was really, and I can see it's like, um, sex, sex is bad. Desire is sinful. Don't do, just don't whatever you are. Right. Is that kind of how right. it was couched to you? Yes. Yes. Like I remember, uh, in youth group. So, uh, what I learned from pewter culture is male sexuality is dangerous and bad. Mm. Uh, we were in this tiny, um, um, youth group room and my youth minister, um, brings in a chainsaw to talk about desire 
and rips it on and it's just this like yeah 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 on this tiny room and talking about like this is what male sexual desire is like it is yeah dangerous it is uh, a big thing um and you know you have to be so careful with it so of course like then there's anxiety right Um, you know i was navigating sexuality and you know at then at that point uh uh, my closet itself was like, okay, when I have a girlfriend, um, am I going to hurt her? <laughs> you know? Um, and yeah. that felt like terrifying. Um, so again, I think using that, that fear, that, 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 hmm, how to say, um, that protective fear, don't give into desire because it's going to lead to this dangerous path and lead to like, you know, um, STDs and pregnancy. Um, but missing like the heart of like, actually, uh, how is desire good? How can it actually be integrated into spirituality? Um, how is it actually a part of like our draw towards worship and, uh, closeness with God? Um, and intimacy, you know, um, like that, that fear, that, 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 I'd say block from going deeper into that, uh, actually, you know, impacted my spiritual development as well. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, are there other, what other parts, cultural parts of evangelicalism have, impacted you? I mean, we talked about purity culture. Are there others that you can think of off the top of your head? Mm. We've talked a little bit about the political side. I mean, you grew up in the Bible belt. And so some of that was just in the water, not just in the church. Yeah. Yeah. I think about the, um, the effect of like rationalism on the, I guess, Protestant, uh, evangelical church. Um, and how that was expressed in like worship and in like church gatherings, there was this sterility to it, uh, at least in the white, because um, the church I was, went to, Memphis is mostly black, but I went to a church that was all white. Um, and, um, and so there was like some cultural divisions there. Um, but there was this, yeah, this, it just stayed all very cognitive. It wasn't until I went to China and, and then, um, uh, got in touch with um, other spiritual practices that how worship, how uh, church can be more embodied, um, mm-hmm. how I can like feel it in my body. And even like, you know, that's part of sexuality. I think um, sexuality is not just the erotic. It yeah. is um, uh, a desire to know and be known. Um, and it's just much bigger and greater than that. So uh, there was, I mean, that's another part that um, I've had to like redeem in my walk is this uh, control that it seemed to to foster me uh, and not like a surrender to mystery that is God, you know? Um, And that is scary, um, um, but, and vulnerable, but uh, I think it's really good. Yeah. Um, is there a, I mean, you, you still claim, 
uh, well, you said you hold kind of tight, like, or I mean, uh, conflicted about like evangelical, you know, evangelicalism. And so when, you know, if I say, are you evangelical, does it depend on who you're with? Do you, is That's an, probably another contextual. It can be. I, I will say that, that I am, yeah. no matter where, uh, just because I think it, um, um, how to say, uh, I do, I, I can't save evangelicalism, um, but I can invite deeper thoughts uh, and confront expectations um, in both sides, uh, whether somebody is like really skeptical of that or is like, when they're asking me if I'm evangelical, they're looking for like connection and safety. Uh, Cause I also have like piercings. And so I look more queer. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I um, did even a few years ago, um, growing my hair out and all that stuff. So there is a motive behind asking like, are you evangelical? Are you with me? Yeah. Or are you not? Yeah. Um, and I want to invite a deeper level of withness than yeah. just that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you feel like, um, well, you said some people ask that as kind of a boundary marker, right? I mean, are you with mm -hmm. us or are you not? Um, yeah. Have you ever gotten the sense or are you, do you feel like there's something you could do or say that suddenly you'll be kicked out somehow? Mm. Like what gives you your evangelical card? You know, like, do you feel like somebody could take it away from you or, or not? Yeah, I, that's a good question. Um, there is, I, I've grown in that. Um, but for such a long time growing up in the closet, I mean, that creates wounds and scars that like, I, that create a reflex in me of insecurity thinking yeah. like at any point, the good things that I have will be taken away. So I have to do what yeah. is right, you know, by the other's eyes, not by how I've worked it out. Um, yeah. Or with God, you know? Um, so reflexively, yeah, I do feel like that card be, can be taken away, but I know in like more sober, less like more secure thoughts, like that, that is something that's not so insecure. Yeah. Um, and may reveal more about the other than about mm -hmm. like, um, if yeah. they want to take that card away. I think if you laminate the card, it's harder to take it away. <laughs> That's true. That's yeah. true. Yeah. Yeah. It's protected that way. Yeah. You know, I'm kind of surprised no one has come up with some system to really issue a card. Actually, <laughs> yeah, given what we well, about evangelicalism, right? We're both within it enough to know the, the, the dark sides. So yeah. 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 It, it's all in these subtle signals. Um, that to see if you're like a card holding member or not. Yeah. Um, and, um, and I think that's unfortunate. It, it comes to these like external things instead of like, yeah. For somebody else to like, how do I get to know Gabe? Yeah. You know, where's his heart? Yeah. Um, instead of like these, okay, let me just make sure he's ticking the right boxes. Yeah. So what are, um, what are some of those signals or terms or words that people, what are the fishing things people what will people use to fish yeah um i think um so i also have a tattooed ring on my ring finger um and it it when i got this uh it was also around the time that i came out because i i just felt like becoming a christian was saying i do to jesus and um it's like an engagement ring that yeah. where i'm not going to be able to experience the uh, the fullness of marriage, uh, on this side of fullness, but, uh, 
it is like that promise that I was like, oh yes, I, I, I am, I can look forward to that. Um, and so some of the signals that people ask for are like, you know, hey, where's your wife? Um, when, you know, before I got more piercings, people I think were more uh, confused or not confused, but like would ask for more of those signals. I think, you know, having more external representation of like, hey, not that like, because piercings are something I wanted to do for a long time, um, but they've become a signal of like, uh, of not something else, but uh, I want to invite people into not, I guess, judging a book by its cover. So relationship status, um, where I go to church, um, um, what books I'm reading, uh, you know, what school did I go to, um, you know. Just kind of sizing you up with all those different things. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. What can I, uh, even like what I ask for in prayer, like, I feel like all those can be like mm. used to like measure and judge. Um so those are like the things I asked about, but you know, I also had people like just kind of take a look up and down, you know, um, and all the like the subtle things that come on and just how somebody like represents themselves. Yeah. Um, the clothes I wear. Yeah. Um, and uh, just those more nonverbal ways of how I present myself. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, pier piercings and long hair. I mean, that, that immediately communicates or a lot of people would say, well, that communicates something. And then it's like, well, okay, yeah. what, okay. Then we start yeah. subdividing into other categories yep. from there. Well, maybe he's artistic. Well, that'd be okay. But maybe, you know, yeah. it's like, right. Exactly. And, and then value judgments with all of those different categories. Mm -hmm. Wow. You have, um, had to straddle this. I mean, you've, um, straddle a lot of uh, lines or, or gaps or bridges um, in in your life. So you've got, you know, uh, Christian and gay and counselor and single. I mean, there's all these pieces where you, you're navigating a lot of tensions on a regular basis. Tension's the word. I remember um, uh, when I first came out, there was this guy who he was a few old, years older than me, had come out and was like walking in. And it's like, whenever I came out, people were like, you should talk to this guy. Mm. Is because he's gay, or you know, because he actually like loves Jesus, uh, or does he have piercings? Yeah, right. I mean, yeah, <laughs> right. And so it was like you know, back to signaling. Um, but talking to him, I when I was first coming out, I asked him. In a way, uh, the heart of my question was like, "What's the answer?" Mm. And he was like, "I hear your question, and I'm not going to tell you, mm. um, because uh, that is something that you have to walk out yourself." And while that was so frustrating because I was in such a hurt, like desperate place, that actually was an invitation for something deeper. Yeah. That um, that helped me stay in the tension and not seek the comfort of a side. Yeah. Um, uh, that I think ultimately would have stopped my work. Hmm. Uh, but staying in attention has helped me um, go deeper in, into not just sexuality, but all parts of my life. Yeah. What do evangelicals and hopefully some of them are listening need to hear? Mm. Like if you're a prophet to evangelicalism, whatever, <laughs> however you define that. Yeah. Mm. Do your work. 
Um, and, and you know what? You we talk about that, and in like, you know, mental health land, we talk about doing your work. Yeah. But say what that means. Like, I go, yeah. oh yeah, exactly, right? But what does that mean right. to you as a counseling yeah. professor and a counselor? Yes. What does that mean? Uh, for sure, uh, I think it definitely comes from a place of bias for me because I do value the counseling field. Uh, but doing your work is uh, going deeper uh, with um, like what in, in some ways, um, while I'll encourage uh, students, but also clients to like ask is like what needs are being worked out yeah. in the way that I am um, moving forward in this. Um, so uh, part when I think about doing your work in more existential, spiritual and counseling sense is uh, figuring out like, where does my security lie? Mm. Um, where does my hope lie? Um, and what foundation do I base my identity on? Um, and even like questioning that foundation, um, not just to like be questioning, but to like really, I mean, that, that verse of working out your faith with fear mm -hmm. and trembling really, um, um, has stuck with me through my walk. Uh, so when I look at my life, doing my work has been, um, when I first came out, like asking the question, okay, what does scripture say about uh, same-sex relationships? And then I could not separate um, uh, other parts of scripture for me in that. Then it was like, okay, well then what does God say about marriage? okay, well, God created marriage out of who he is. Well, who, what does scripture say about who God is? And also, how do I experience that in the world and in community and in friendships and in nature, you know, um, that uh, I could not just pick things apart. It's all connected. Um, yeah. So doing my work has been like not finding quick, easy answers. Um uh, has been reckoning with like, what am I actually looking for? Um, and trying to work some things out. Um, and what are like deep and significant ways I can meet those needs? Yeah. So do your work is one thing for you. Mm -hmm. What, what else do they, do we need mm -hmm. to hear? Um, and not we, just, and a you and we separated me. What do all of us, you and I, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, talk about all of us, I think looking around and seeing who I'm surrounded by and do I have voices in my life that can challenge mm -hmm. where I'm at? Um, I think it's just so important to for everybody to have a seat at the table. Um, and uh, what does that actually look like? I think that depends on um, the organization, the church, the, the community, um, whatever it is, but actually like looking around like, um, do I know others because they reflect me or do I know others because they uh, sharpen and challenge me? Um, mm. So I think that's another thing that I think about a lot with the evangelical church is what hurts it is when it becomes an echo chamber and it's all yeah. people saying the same thing to each other to bolster, not bolster, but like kind of work each other up. Yeah. And not actually invite other voices and experiences. Yeah.
Yeah. Yeah. As you know, through our conversation, I'm thinking, see, see each person. No, don't make assumptions. Yeah. I mean, we talked about loaded terms, but, and, and, and partly we like that because we want to assign terms and then that puts a box, you know, or we can immediately yeah. just put this filter or grid on someone. And so, um, yeah, I think uh, not making assumptions uh, about terms or about people. <laughs> yep. No, 100%. I mean, even I hear that thread through what I've shared. Yeah. Uh, and when I talk about like how I come off or like uh, in different seasons of my life that have been really important is like has been a call and uh, a desire being worked out in me of like uh, asking people, are you with me in this? Yeah. Because um, so often it's, uh, I have to say, there's this anxiety of like, I just want to make sure you're there, okay? And that's actually not about you, but actually about the anxiety that I feel around you. Yeah. Um, and um, I'm just. Because I, I can't be okay if you're not okay. Like, yeah, yeah. 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 And if you're single, then you're not okay. Or oh, if you're same-sex attracted, you're Your singleness okay. makes me uncomfortable or your same-sex attraction yeah. makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Wow. There's the narratives all around that yeah. uh, come from a place of like, there must be something wrong yeah. in that. Um, mm-hmm. And instead of like, yeah, just sitting with me in it and help and being with me and figuring it out. Yeah. Um, but also hearing my heart in, in where those labels, identities are coming from. Um, like what I mean when I say those things. Yeah. So, wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, completely shifting gears uh and yeah. we're recording this and i'm looking outside and the fall colors are gorgeous oh my word aren't they amazing i, I mean somebody said in denver perfect. freezing I'm like no denver is gorgeous right it now it is gorgeous yeah yeah what is bringing you life uh in life right now yes i absolutely the fall i mean there are some days i'm just driving around and there's just this big old grin on my face yeah <laughs> it's so beautiful i love it um uh what's giving me life right now uh right now there's a lot of things in my work and and both adjuncting and um and counseling that are just like really exciting um and this like learning process that i'm doing in the certification uh program that i'm in has been like really exciting as well um and yeah i kind of a learner and so like getting in, into like, like new things that I can like chew on and yeah. deep into like can be really fun. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. Well, Gabriel, thank you so much for um, being on the podcast. I'm glad I get to still see you around, bump into you on campus from time to time. And um, yeah, just blessings. We'll look forward to next time I bump into you maybe with these fall leaves falling. Whoop, whoop. I know. All right, sounds good. Thanks, Angie. Thanks, Gabriel. <laughs>